As I said, Pastor Jeremy is not here this morning. However, we do have an exciting opportunity. We have Bob Duco here with us this morning. He is the host of the Bob Duco Show that has been on uh, on the air since around the year 2000, since the year 2000, and it is a, a nationally broadcasted uh, uh, program. He is is got several publications that have to do with apologetics, defending your faith, and uh, he is here today to talk to us about the sanctity of life. So without further ado, Bob, if you want to come and speak to us today. Thanks so much. Well, I appreciate you folks having me back. It's been a few years, but it's, it's great to, to see all of you again. By the way, kudos for braving the weather, I, right? You probably looked out the window, I was like, oh, no, you know, do we... So we go ahead and get up, go clean off the car, and to make it even worse, Pastor Jeremy's not here, so we got to hear some Yahoo guest speaker. Really? So I'm thinking your commitment to the Lord is really impressive, okay? So I just want to say salute to you. Uh, no, I appreciate you folks having me out. For those, I, I don't, I'm not even sure. I don't think my show, The Signal, actually makes it up to here. Some of you may be familiar with it, but if... If you're not familiar with, with me or my show, let me just tell you, I'm, a, I'm what you call a Christian apologist. That doesn't mean I apologize for my faith. Apologist comes from the Greek word apologia, which means to give a logical, rational, evidence-based argument for a belief system. And 1 Peter 3.15, we do always need to be prepared to give an answer when someone asks us for the reason for the hope that we have, but to do this with gentleness and respect. And so my approach to things has always been logical, left brain, analytical, factual. I understand how you may feel, but what are the facts? What's the evidence? What's the truth? That's how I tend to look at, at all things. And that's what drove me into apologetics. And so I, you know, on my show, I've had, I couldn't even venture a guess how many different debates with all kinds of organizations, the uh, evolutionary scientists, the atheist groups, the, the Dan Barkers and Daniel Dennett's and Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, and I've debated all of these guys. Uh, and, and it's interesting, when I, when I look at the evidence for what we believe as Christians, I think to myself, we have been told a whole bunch of lies from an unbelieving world about a lot of different things. And I'm telling you, if you only get one side of any story, you can be made to believe just about any lie. And we see this in all kinds of areas, right? In, in the creation-evolution debate, I'm going to tell you right now, Darwinian evolution does not have a monkey leg to stand on when you examine the scientific <laughs> evidence itself, okay? When you know what's actually really in the, the geologic strata, when you know what's actually in the fossil record, when you know how radiometric dating actually really does work, you realize, wait a minute, the earth cannot be billions of years old. It's scientifically impossible. It really, truly only is about 6,000 years old. By the way, just so you know, the very same potassium argon dating that the evolutionists date the earth to be 4.6 billion years old, that very same potassium argon dating dates the 1980 Mount St. Helens eruption as having erupted 2.8 million years ago. I kid you not. 
I document, trust me, I, I, I document the actual evolutionary dating radiometric laboratories that confirm that. They admit this with each other, but that's the information that is censored from the school books, from the science books, from the mainstream media. So whether it comes to the archaeological evidence to prove the Bible is true, the historical evidence to prove Jesus rose from the dead, you need to know there is a whole boatload of evidence to prove what we as Christians believe, but this evidence is censored. And when I think about the issue of abortion, again, there are so many lies that we have been conditioned to believe. And on the Sanctity of Human Life Day, I'm going to take a little bit of time and correct some of those lies, answer some of those lies. And I want you to, to see that we really do have an answer for the arguments that might sound good on the surface from the pro-abortion side. And notice I, I say pro-abortion. Some people are like, Bob, it's pro-choice. Uh, you have three parties involved, the mom, the dad, and the baby. Two-thirds of those people are denied a choice. I'm sorry, when you, when you take two-thirds of any group of people and deny them a choice, I'm not going to call the movement pro-choice. I just can't, okay? Uh, it is pro-abortion. But I want to address some of the things about abortion and the unborn that I think we need to understand and remember. First of all, did anybody happen to see in the news just, I think it was a couple of weeks ago or so, the surveillance video of this woman taking her newborn baby and throwing it in a dumpster? Uh, this is in New Mexico. It's horrific. It made national news. I talked about it on my show. There's surveillance video of this woman. She pulls up next to this dumpster, and it's in the middle of the day, and she takes a black garbage bag and she throws the black garbage bag in the dumpster and drives on. It was 36 degrees out that day. Five hours later, some guys were walking by, and they heard what they thought was a cat meowing inside the dumpster. And this is all on video. And so they get in the dumpster, and they find this bag. And in this garbage bag was other trash, obviously from the lady's home, and she added her newborn baby. She had just given birth to this baby. She didn't want the baby. And the baby was still alive. They called 911. The police got there. And what one of the guys did was he took the baby, and there was a bloody blanket in there too, and wrapped the baby up in the blanket and was kind of stroking the baby's head. Uh, the police get there. They helicopter airlifted the baby to the hospital. Thank God the baby survived. There's going to be a loving family that adopts this baby. The mother's being charged with attempted murder, rightfully so. But as I look at that story, and this is one of the things I said on my show, I'm kind of curious how the quote-unquote pro-choice people look at that woman. And how do they, what do they feel when they think about that baby being thrown in the dumpster? Because the quote-unquote pro-choice side, they have no problem charging her with a crime. They say, that's sickening, that's disgusting, that offends our sensibilities. And then I think to myself, hold on a minute. If that same woman, just two weeks prior, had went and got an abortion, you'd be calling her a champion of choice. And you wouldn't be offended at all. So what is it, what is it that makes people today on the quote-unquote pro-choice side, what makes them today look at a baby inside the womb and have no problem executing that baby, burning that baby alive, dismembering that baby, but 
if you wait just a couple weeks later, you can throw that same baby in a garbage dumpster and now suddenly their sensibilities are offended. Do you see the inconsistency in this? I would argue, quite frankly, I think it's a spiritual darkness. I really do. I think it's a spiritual deception that's grabbed a hold of so much of our society today. This is sick and twisted. When things like that happen, it exposes the ugliness of the abortion industry, plain and simple. These babies inside the womb, these are human beings made in the image and likeness of God, period. Uh, and if I'm going to look at the issue of abortion, I want to look at this from God's perspective. Not human perspective, from God's perspective. And so let's look to God's Word and let's see what we see in Scripture about the unborn. Because you know what we see repeatedly throughout Scripture? God sees no distinction in you being who you are inside of the womb versus outside of the womb. From the moment you're conceived, you are you in God's eyes. It's only us as human beings that have created some magical transition from in the womb to outside of the womb. But in God's eyes, you are you from the moment of conception. And we see this throughout Scripture. Let me give you just a few examples. You've heard many of these before, but I want to share them with you again this morning. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you saw my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, my unformed body. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In Job chapter 10, Starting at verse 11, you clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love. In Isaiah 44, 24, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. Psalm 127, starting at verse 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in your mother's body, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Isaiah 49, 1, the Lord called me from the womb, formed me from the womb to be his servant. And of course, we know in Luke 1, 41, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, what happened, uh, John the Baptist leapt in the womb of Elizabeth. Anybody going to say that John the Baptist wasn't really a person or just fetal tissue or something like that? No, of course not. All right? We see consistently throughout God's Word that there is no difference in a person's humanity before they're born or after they're born. So first things first, we need to make sure that we form our opinions based on the authority of God's Word, the authority of Scripture. But I'll tell you something else interesting. The, uh, you can ask any pro-abortion person you want to if they've ever heard of the phrase, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I guarantee you they've heard it. Everybody's heard of that. Atheists know eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But then ask them, ask your pro-choice 
friend or family or, or coworker, or ask them, do you know where eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth comes from? They'll probably know it comes from the Bible. Then ask them, do you know where in the Bible it comes from? They're not going to know. Ask them, do you know the context of what eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is referring to? And I guarantee you they don't know. And then you know what you get? You get out your Bible and you say, let's go to Exodus 21 together. And let's start reading in verse 22 of Exodus 21. And do you know what the context of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is? Here's what it says. If two men are fighting and a pregnant woman is injured as a result of their fighting, in other words, they're careless, reckless, and they knock down a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely because of their recklessness, if there is no lasting harm to the baby, if there's no lasting harm, then the men have to pay a fine according to what her husband and the courts allow. It says, however, and this is God's word, this is God's instruction, God's instruction, God's law. However, if there is harm, you know, to that unborn baby now, if there is harm, then you are to take life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, that's what Exodus 21, 22 through 25 says. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the context of that is that's God's demand of punishment for whatever is done to an unborn baby. And I think about all of the pro-abortion people out there that know the phrase eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They don't even know what that's referring to. And I'll tell you something else that catches my attention about that. Think about the way that abortions are done today. The most common abortions done today are what are called saline abortions, which basically burns the baby alive inside and out. I know I've interviewed on my show abortion survivors who are handicapped because of the burning that they experience. It's like an acid burning inside and outside of their body, but they ended up surviving, and I've interviewed them on my show. So you either burn babies alive, basically, in essence, or you dismember them. You cut off their hands, you cut off their uh, feet and their arms and everything else. Isn't it interesting? that thousands of years ago, the Holy Spirit inspired the writings of Exodus 21 and inspired Moses to use the words, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't. God is timeless. I think God knew exactly how we would be performing abortions as humanity someday. But there's some other things that I want to correct and address on the issue of abortion. Sometimes, sometimes we're put on the defensive because of the issue of rape and incest. Well, Bob, certainly you support abortion in cases of rape and incest, right? Well, I know this is not going to be popular in some circles. It's not politically correct, but I just have to be honest with you. I cannot justify abortion in cases of rape and incest. How can I? This is still an innocent human baby made in the image and likeness of God. How can we justify executing that baby because of the evil sins and crimes of his biological father? Does that mean we don't care about the woman who's been raped? Of course we do. Okay, We need to love her. We need to provide for her. We need to care for her. We need to pray for her. We need to comfort her. We need to do all of those things. But you don't compound the trauma that she's experienced by now adding to that 
the guilt and the shame and the remorse and the regret that she will very often carry with her the rest of her life over a decision to execute that baby. Because it is extremely common. Trust me, I've interviewed, I don't know how many women who have been raped, got an abortion, and the rest of their lives, now they have two traumas in their life that they battle with instead of just the first. So don't allow yourself to get put on the defensive if somebody brings up the issue of rape and incest. First of all, rape and incest accounts for one, one percent of all abortions in America. 99% of abortions have nothing to do with rape and incest. The only reason that the other side plays that card is to try to put us on the defensive. And I think to myself, no, you're not going to paint me as an extremist because I don't support rape and incest abortions. What I'm going to do, because look, I debate for a living. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this around and let's talk about who the real extremists are. I'm going to say to my friend, do you support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever, including birth control? Because just so you know, that's the official position of Planned Parenthood. That's the official position of the entire quote-unquote pro-choice movement today. Abortion through all nine months. Who are the real extremists here? I want you to know something. There, there are 196 nations on planet Earth. Now, just so you know, I, I know I'm throwing a lot of facts and information at you, but I'm an apologist. That's what we do. We collect information and we present it, okay? And so I'm just going to overload you with a bunch of facts and evidence because as I told you in the beginning, my whole thing is not how I feel, but what's actually true. And by the way, in our, in our uh, uh, Bible study session afterward, I'm going to be getting into a lot of that, the difference between feelings and truth, because that's one of the things that's causing a counterfeit Christianity to spread through the body of Christ. We'll be talking about that in the, uh, in the Bible study session after this morning's service. But you want to talk about extremists. There are 196 nations on planet Earth, 196. Guess how many nations allow abortion legally on demand through all nine months of pregnancy? Four. Want to know what those four nations are? The U.S. and Canada. And the only other two nations that are that radical, that extreme, are North Korea, the number one persecutor of human rights in the world, and China with their forced abortion, forced sterilization policies that they've had for decades. China and North Korea are the only two other nations out of 196 nations that say you can get abortion through all nine months. That's the company that we are in, in the United States and Canada. So I'm telling you, the pro-abortion side of this debate they are radically extreme when it comes to the entire world. As a matter of fact, if you look to the European Union, the European Union has 27 uh, nation states. Used to be 28, you had Brexit, so now it's 27. Okay. Of those 27 nations, do you know what the average, average time that abortion is made illegal. You can only get an abortion on demand up to a certain point of pregnancy, and then it's illegal. Do you know what the average is for all 27 nations? 11.4 weeks. 11.4 weeks. Yet in this country, we can't even pass a 20-week abortion ban because that's too radical and extreme. And I'm talking about liberal left-wing progressive European Union nations. 
and they're at 11.4 weeks. But see, we're so conditioned, we're so used to abortion being normalized and woven into our society that we feel like we're, we're being too extreme if we try to say, hey, that's got to be illegal. Look, there's a very good chance that Roe v. Wade will be overturned by the Supreme Court this year. I hope and pray that happens. But let's make sure we, we understand something. Overturning Roe v. Wade won't make abortion illegal in America. All it will do is send it back to the states for individual states to decide. Uh, most states in America are pro-abortion states. So believe it or not, for most women in America, the abortion laws won't change for them if Roe v. Wade is overturned. But it does still need to be overturned. Let's send it back to the states. And then from there, ultimately, I'd like to see Roe v. Wade render, uh, I'd like to see abortion rendered illegal, quite frankly. I hope and pray that that happens someday. It happened with slavery. Thank the Lord we civilized enough as a society to realize the sickness and evil of slavery. And where we, what were we thinking? How could we possibly justify something like slavery? Well, it's my hope and prayer that someday our kids, our grandkids will go, how in the world could we as a society have justified legalized abortion as we used to do? Will Jesus come back before that day? I don't know. Personally, there's a lot of times where I say, come Lord Jesus now. <laughs> okay? But I want to, I want to take some of, the, some of the other arguments that we commonly hear, and, and let's, let's have an answer for that, okay? When you hear, well, it's my body, my choice. A woman, you know, it's a woman's body. A woman has a right to do with her own body what she wants. Okay, first of all, a little bit of scientific and medical reality with all due respect, it's not her body, okay? It's not. This is a completely separate human being that's growing inside of her body. The baby has his own DNA that's different than the mom's. His own fingerprints is different than the mom's. His own blood type that's different than his mom's. Blood doesn't even intermingle between baby and mother. Uh, the baby can be a completely different gender than the mother. The baby can be a different ethnicity than the mother, Okay? So, no, it is not the woman's body. When a woman gets pregnant, she doesn't suddenly have four arms, four legs, and two heads. Okay? This is a completely separate human being, but this human being is being fed and nourished inside of her body one way, and then when he's born, he's going to be fed and nourished a different way, but it's the same baby just being fed and nourished different ways. That's all. Now, I do want to make sure and stress one thing. I, I I meant to bring this up before when I was talking about Scripture, and uh, I, I forgot, and I want to go back and I want to address this. There's something else that we see in Scripture that as believers we need to remember, and it's this. There is forgiveness through Jesus Christ for women who have had abortions, all right? It's important that you know if you're a woman and you have had an abortion and you regret that decision and you've gone to the Lord and you've repented, you need to know that you're washed clean of that sin. The, the power of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any blood of abortion. It is. And there's a lot of women who have had an abortion and they regret that decision. They realize that it's wrong. They've repented to the Lord, but they still live their life under this dark cloud of condemnation and shame. And 
I, I just, I'll tell you very quickly, I had a lady call into my show one time on uh, Friday. Every Friday we open up the phone lines for what we call Free for All Friday, which is where people can just call in and have it in me however they want to, you know. A lot of debates and a lot, you know, that's fine. Okay. Uh, but I had a lady call in one time and she was crying because she had an abortion. She had an abortion like 20 years prior. And she just, it just gripped her so much. And of course, remember, Planned Parenthood, they didn't tell her about all of the emotional pain and drama, that, uh, trauma that she's going to experience the rest of her life, her life. No, all they did was collect her money and she was a sale to them. But this woman was, she was crying, she was, she was upset, and I, I asked her, I said, you know, are you, are you a sister in the Lord? She says, yes. I said, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? She says, yes. I said, have you repented, gone before the Lord, asked for forgiveness? And she says, oh, yes, absolutely. She says, I know that God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. And I remember saying to her, uh, I said, I know this is going to sound harsh, and I don't mean to beat up on you but I have to be blunt with you about something. Are your standards really higher than God's? And she was taken aback, and she said, well, no, of course not. And I said, well, guess what? God's standards are you're forgiven, and you're free from this. If you say you can't forgive yourself, you are placing your standards higher than God's. She said, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. So I just, I just want to say in this room, if there are any of you who have ever done that in the past, Okay, please stop walking around with a sense of condemnation and guilt because you are completely forgiven through Jesus Christ if you've repented and gone to him. And you need to walk in that freedom and not drag it around like an albatross with you for the rest of your life. Okay, I, I just really want... Now, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, if you haven't repented of your sins, if you haven't gone to him, then you need to do that. Okay, uh, but otherwise... When I attack the abortion industry, when I call abortion murder as it is, please know I am not speaking to any individual women with words of condemnation toward what you did. I'm speaking with words of condemnation to the industry and the lies that the industry tells to women to convince them to get abortions. That's what I'm attacking. I just want to make sure we're clear about that. You ever hear this one before? They'll say, well, I'm personally opposed to abortion. I wouldn't get one myself, but I can't impose my views on other people. That's absolute nonsense. If you ever have somebody say that to you, ask them a few questions. Say, are you personally opposed to cruelty to animals? They're going to say, well, yes, I am. Okay. Would you ever engage in cruelty to animals? No, I would never do that. Okay, good. Neither would I. Should it be an individual pet owner's right to choose? They're going to say, well, no. Oh, so in other words, you are willing to impose your views on society if something is serious enough, right? So in other words, you're personally opposed to cruelty to animals, but you're also willing to make it illegal because it's an ugly enough thing, right? Well, yeah. Okay, good. I agree with you. Now, are you personally opposed to racial discrimination? Well, yes, I am. Well, good, so am I. Uh, would you engage in racial discrimination? Well, no, I would never do that. Oh, good, neither would I. Should it be an individual restaurant owner's right to choose? Should the, uh, should the business owner 
be able to make the decision for themselves whether they want to discriminate racially? Well, no. So in other words, there should be a law against it, right? Yes. Okay, good. I agree with you. There are anti-discrimination laws. So in other words, what you're telling me is you are personally opposed to racial discrimination. You would never engage in racial discrimination, but you are willing to impose that view on the rest of society because racial discrimination is an ugly enough thing, right? Well, yes. Okay. And we could go on down the line with all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, are you personally opposed to somebody selling their kidney on eBay to the highest bidder? Well, yes. That's right. I'm personally opposed to that too. That's also illegal. Do you support that being illegal? Well, yes. Okay. Prostitution. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can go down the line. And the point making is you want them to see they already believe in imposing their views on the rest of society if it's something that is an ugly enough thing. And then you just say to them, can you understand why someone like me sees racial discrimination, cruelty to animals, selling one of your organs on eBay, engaging in prostitution? Can you see why we see these things together as something sick enough that we must ban it? Can you see how we can take an unborn baby who sucks his thumb and recognizes his mother's voice and burning that baby alive or dismembering that baby in the womb? Can you see why we at least put that in the same category as cruelty to a hamster? Can you see why we're willing to put that in the same category? And if they're intellectually honest, they're going to have to see. Hopefully a light bulb will go off and they'll be like, wow, this is really a, a sick and twisted industry that I support. I hear the term uh, constitutional right. Every time I see some news report say a woman's constitutional right to abortion, my eye starts to twitch, okay? Because there is no constitutional right to abortion. We need to be clear. Read the Constitution. I've read it many times. Abortion's not in there anywhere. Well, yeah, but it's, it's under, the, under the freedom of privacy. Okay, well, guess what? There's not actually a right to privacy in the Constitution either, believe it or not. You don't have the privacy to do whatever you want to in your own home anyway. But what is in the Constitution is this. No state shall deny any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And last time I checked, those unborn babies aren't getting due process of law. Some of the other lies that we're told, certainly from the abortion industry, is that abortion doesn't harm the woman. That's absolute nonsense. Study after study after study after study, research studies consistently show women who have had abortions have dramatically higher incidences of anxiety, depression, suicide attempt, alcohol, and drug abuse. It is amazing the psychological, emotional, and spiritual damage that women experience over the years when they've had abortion. The physical harm that comes from abortion as well is incredible. When you have an abortion, you know that physically you increase the odds that that woman is going to develop breast cancer in the future. There have been, as of now, over 41 studies that have confirmed this. Okay? Because when a woman is pregnant, she has a dramatic increase in estrogen in her body, about 2,000% increase. Estrogen is known as a carcinogen, if you have a lot of it. As a carcinogen, 
it creates the ability to generate breast cancer. However, however, the breast tissue is what's called an immature state early on in pregnancy. However, it develops in the second and third trimester, it develops into what are called mature, it's called differentiation, but it's a, it's a maturing of the lobules in the breast tissue and to make them from cancer vulnerable to cancer resistant. So when a woman carries her pregnancy to term, what happens is God designed the body to naturally develop cancer resistance to any carcinogens that are introduced by an increased in estrogen inside the body. However, when you get an abortion, you still have the increased estrogen, but you didn't give the breast tissue an opportunity to mature into what are called type 3, type 4 resistant lobules. And so that's the reason why women, you tend to disproportionately see breast cancer cases where a woman in her 30s and her 40s, and then you find out she had two or three abortions. That is extremely common. Planned Parenthood will never tell you that. The mainstream media won't tell you that. Much as I hate to say it, put that on Twitter, it'll probably get taken down and then you'll get banned and blocked from your own account. I hate to say. This is just a lot of the misinformation that unfortunately we're not being told. Honestly, I, I could spend the next five hours giving you fact after fact after fact after fact, okay? But there's a couple of final things that I want to share with you in my last, in my last few minutes here. Before I do, though, I, I was supposed to mention this early on, and I completely forgot, so let me get it out of the way right now. When you leave, you're going to see a bunch of tables of products out there, okay? These are my top 10 proofs, uh, especially those of you that aren't familiar with my show. You don't even know what those things are. And so what happens is people come to the table and they ask us, hey, what are these? And we have to explain them one at a time to everybody. And so if it's okay with you, it's easier for me if I just take a couple of minutes and corporately explain to you, here's what's back there, here's what they are, and then if you decide you want to get any any of them, okay, fine, all right? Top 10 proofs are audio recordings by me. They represent about 35 years of all of the research that I've done into 14 different topics. Uh, everything that I've researched is documented, verified public information that anybody can look up themselves. I've just done all the research and legwork for you, all right? One of those topics is top 10 proofs on abortion. And it's, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of about three and a half to four hours of fact after fact after fact. It it, it takes the top 10 arguments that the pro-abortion side uses and it completely decimates those arguments factually, logically, scientifically, medically, biblically. But there's also top 10 proofs evolution is scientifically impossible. Top 10 proofs dinosaurs lived with man. And that's right, went on Noah's Ark. Sound crazy to you? Get that and listen to it and you tell me if there's any factual evidence in there that you can disprove. Most people don't even know Marco Polo wrote about the Tyrannosaurus Rex that he saw. But chapter 40 of, his, of the province named Karazan, where he wrote about that, is censored from all history books in schools. But you look it up yourself if you think I'm making it up, okay? There's just so much information that people don't know. Top 10 proofs for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Christianity is the only true religion. Top 10 proofs the Bible is true, using archaeology, history, science, factual evidence to prove that the Bible is actually really true. And like I said, there's 14 different topics. You probably have in your your, uh, paper, in your insert, you probably have this little thing right here, okay? This lists the 14 topics. You can look and you can see what they are. These are all special studio recordings. They're by me. They're recorded by me. And they cover all 14 of these topics. 
and it's the top 10 arguments to prove factually the documented evidence to prove each one of these things are true, okay? You can get them one of two ways. You can get them either in CD format. If you want the CDs, this is what they look like. This is one of the four-disc topics. This is the one on evolution, okay? Um, the four-disc topics are 30 bucks. Three-disc topics are 25 bucks. Two-disc topics are 20 bucks, all right? That's the CDs. You can also get them in MP3 digital download. And if you want the... Uh, thumb drive, we have the thumb drives right there, you can get that. Or if you prefer, we can just email you the MP3 link and you can download it from the email. So it's whichever one. So MP3, either flash drive or email you the link or the CDs. Or if you want to get the whole shebang, we discount the price a lot when you get them all together. So it's totally up to you. If you get all 14 topics of these individually, they're going to add up to $325. But if you get the complete series, we discount that price down to $229 for the CDs, $179 for the MP3, or $229 and $179 combined, we make the whole thing just $249 if you want the whole thing. So that's totally up to you. Come on out there if you want to get some afterward. Uh, and I do want you to know, we're not going to make any transactions today, okay? Uh, if you want to pay by credit card, we'll get your information, but we're not going to transact it. We're not going to run it today. We're just going to give you your stuff and let you take it, and we're just going to wait and transact it tomorrow. Okay, so we won't run your, we'll get your information, but we won't run it until tomorrow. Uh, if you want to pay by cash or check, then we'll give you our address, and you can just send that to us. Just take what you want, and we'll trust you, okay? Uh, but uh, come on out there afterward. All I ask of you is this. If you're going to get these, okay, listen to them. Don't sit them on a shelf or don't sit your thumb drive there and not listen to them. I want you to listen to these because I want us to all as believers, I want you to become like walking encyclopedias in your own families. When somebody says to you, oh yeah, how do I explain this? How do you prove this? I want you to go, that's actually pretty easy, let me tell you. You're going to be amazed after just a few weeks, a few months of listening to these, it's like, wow, I know stuff I've never heard before. But you can look it all up. It's all public information if you think I'm making any of it up. Okay, I've just done all the research for you. And I explain everything in real easy to understand simple terms like see Dick, Dick and Jane run. It's real simple and easy the way I explain it all. Okay, So that's what's in there. That's what the top ten proofs are. Let me, uh, let me wrap up with this. One final thing I want to share with you. You know that um, a lot of people get abortions because they find out that their unborn baby is quote-unquote defective in some way. Down syndrome is a perfect example of this. 90% of Down syndrome diagnoses through amniocentesis result in an abortion. And I just, I find that reprehensible, okay? These Down syndrome kids, these are children made in the image and likeness of God. And we've bought into this lie that if I determine that my child's going to be handicapped or defective in some way, then somehow the better thing is to abort that child. And that's just flat out not true. Would you look at a child who's four or five years old that has the very same handicap or the very same quote-unquote defect and say that child isn't deserving of living? Then why do we say that about that very same child four years prior inside the womb? I... Uh, most people who listen to my show know my wife and I have had seven children. My first child, Colleen, my only daughter, six boys after her. One daughter, then six boys, okay? 
But when Colleen was 17 years old, her and I were in the middle of a conversation. And right in the middle of a conversation, she said, Dad, I feel dizzy. And she collapsed in my arms. And at that moment, my 17-year-old daughter died in my arms. Her heart stopped beating in the middle of our conversation. And I buried my 17-year-old daughter. We found out afterward that she had a genetic heart defect. We didn't know about it. And it killed her instantly. If we had found out about that heart defect in utero, I'd have had people saying, you guys should abort this baby. Well, that's nonsense. We would never, ever consider such a thing. But you know something? I wouldn't trade one minute of the 17 years that I had with my daughter. I wouldn't. Besides, I know she's in heaven now. She uh, was a sister in the Lord. And all she did was beat mom and dad at the party. I get that. Still painful, don't get me wrong. Brutal what happened. But we cannot buy into the lie that somehow human beings are better off to be executed inside the womb unless we're going to apply that same logic to that child when you see him sitting in a chair somewhere in a restaurant. Okay. Let's make sure we look at everything through a, through a biblical lens, through the lens of truth, not the lens of our feelings, and certainly not the lens of what society around us would tell us. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've given us. And God, on this sanctity of human life day, Lord, we just ask that you would equip us with the right words, the right tone, the right answer, the right heart when we engage in conversations with people, Lord. And the Father, you would open the eyes and soften the hearts of those who are on the other side of this issue, that they would see these unborn bodies the way that you see them, Lord. God, we ask that above all things that you would be glorified and that you would be honored in everything that we do and say. And we give this day and every day and our lives, Lord, to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.